I think sometimes people hear healthy eating and they think that that has to mean like all or nothing. But when you're in a caregiver role, it's really about survival and making the best choices in the situation. Are you ready to transform the way you communicate about nutrition with your patients? Welcome to Exam Room Nutrition, the podcast where the worlds of nutrition, medicine, and communication collide. Whether you're a seasoned physician or a healthcare student, this podcast is for you. Exam Room Nutrition is here to equip you with the language and skills needed to discuss nutrition with confidence and compassion. So stick around and let's make our patients healthier one exam room at a time. Welcome back to the Exam Room Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Colleen Sloan. I'm a registered dietitian and pediatric PA. I'm so excited for our topic today because we're going to be tackling the topic of nutrition and anxiety. And whether you work in mental health or not, this topic is very applicable to all of us because we all have our struggles. We all have our issues that we deal with on a daily basis, and we need to learn how to cope with those difficulties. So the reasons for stress in someone's life can vary from person to person. However, a lot of our patients are overwhelmed with caring for aging and chronically ill family members. And this becomes a huge mental and physical burden for them. Stress management can be challenging, and you might not even think that there is a role with nutrition in how we manage our anxiety and our nerves and our stress, but there is. And today, we're going to prepare you for when your patient might say to you, I'm overwhelmed by caring for my elderly parent. Is there any sort of diet that can help manage my nerves? And so to help us navigate this discussion, our guest today is Jessica Cording. She's a registered dietitian, health coach, and author focused on simplifying wellness routines and fostering sustainable healthy habits. She has her very own podcast, Drama-Free Healthy Living. She provides accessible guidance for a balanced lifestyle. So I couldn't think of anyone better to have on our show today besides Jessica. So thank you so much for being here. Oh, I'm so happy to be here, Colleen. Thank you for having me. So I'm thrilled to learn from you because I know that there are a lot of our listeners who work in adult medicine, maybe even dealing with the elderly and aging population and their stressed patient might not be their patient, but it's a family member. And this is such an important topic that we talk about today. But can you maybe start off by explaining some of the specific types of stress that those family caregivers are under, maybe what they should prioritize for their own health? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, with family caregivers, oftentimes people find themselves in that role unexpectedly, you know, and this can show up obviously with aging family members is something we are familiar with. But also a family member develops an illness. But this can also apply to maybe children with ongoing needs. Um, And if there is someone in your life that you're caring for. I would say caregiver burnout is one of the biggest issues that comes up in this area. And that is characterized by things such as feeling extremely fatigued, even if you get enough sleep, feeling overwhelmed, complicated emotions arising around things like feeling resentful of having to take care of your loved one, then having all those complicated feelings about that. Changes in one's own physical health. We often will see uh, changes in eating habits, weight changes. Often it's hard to find time to exercise when you're in a caregiving role. That is something I found a lot of people have to be intentional about. And I didn't even mention sleep. This is one of the biggest issues. And there's a huge link between stress and anxiety and sleep disturbance. And it can become a really vicious cycle happening that are impacting a caregiver's uh, mental and physical well-being. 
directly related to the stress and just general demands of caregiving that they're often not prepared for. Yeah, it is interesting that you're often just thrown into that role of caregiver and there's no handbook for that. So does nutrition really play a role in stress and anxiety? Oh, absolutely. But when we look at the nutritional piece of the picture, um, one of the biggest things to focus on is blood sugar control. You know, so when our blood sugar is not well balanced, we experience changes in energy, mood, um, appetite control becomes an issue. So what I have found to be very successful for my patients and clients and their caregivers over the years is really focusing on having a good combination, a good balance of protein, fat, and fiber at meals and snacks spread consistently through the day, rather than say like snacking on little things here and there and then having one giant meal. Right. But also there's specific foods that have been shown to have benefit to our stress response. For example, some that we have some literature on, uh, turmeric, you know, which is an herb you'll commonly see in a number of different types of recipes, things like omega-3 fatty acids, you know, some really cool research looking at fish oil supplementation specifically. There's some cool research looking at wild blueberries and their impact on brain function as well as inflammation that has an impact on many different parts of the body. What I think important to remember is that when someone is under a lot of stress, this elicits an inflammatory response in the body. So oftentimes when we're talking about nutrition to manage stress, we are talking about a lot of anti-inflammatory foods and anti-inflammatory diet patterns. So lots and lots of vegetables, fruit has its place, healthy fats like olive oil, avocado, nuts and seeds, oily fish, um, you know, lean protein in general is a really important thing to be incorporating regularly. And there's also some research looking at bacteria found in fermented foods, for example, being something to support overall gastrointestinal health, which does play a role in mental functioning. Um, and of course, limiting some known inflammatory foods. So not to say you have to avoid these completely, but keeping an eye on, say, sugar intake, red meat, refined carbohydrate, ultra-processed foods. You know, these are things that are not helping you. They might be okay in small amounts for pleasure. And then I always point these out, alcohol and caffeine. Also be very careful with these because caffeine can amp up anxiety, it can disrupt your sleep. Alcohol, a lot of people think that it reduces feelings of anxiety and stress, but interestingly, what happens is after that initial dulling sensation wears off, there's certain mood-regulating brain chemicals, for example, GABA, as the body processes that alcohol, those you know, feel-good chemicals take a nosedive, causing you to wake up feeling anxious again, thinking, oh, I just need more alcohol. So that can become a cycle as well. And alcohol also disrupts sleep. But that's just a little piece of the picture of food and, and stress management. Oh, it's such an interesting topic to me. I never really put two and two together with stress management is applicable with the anti-inflammatory foods and following that type of diet because it makes complete sense. And it also makes me think of when you're in a plane and the flight attendant says, you know, parents, make sure you put your mask on before you help your child or anyone else with you. We need to make sure that the caregiver is being cared for first and foremost, really, before they can appropriately and accurately care for their loved ones. So I think this is hitting home for so many listeners maybe a family med doctor or internal med, or maybe even a psychiatrist or somebody in the mental health facility listening into this, what could be a few tangible, actionable things that they could have their patients start 
eating or doing tomorrow that might significantly help? Yeah. I mean, I think bringing it back to the blood sugar, I think that practice, that's sort of where everything attaches underneath. You know, when our blood sugar is not well controlled, um, everything else takes a hit. So from a nutrition standpoint, you know, I would put the emphasis not on eating a perfect diet. I think sometimes people hear healthy eating and they think that that has to mean like all or nothing. But when you're in a caregiver role, it's really about survival and making the best choices in the situation. So you're often on the go a lot too. So I'm not going to tell someone who's needing to rely on convenience foods to be, you know, cooking every day, right? Like we need to think about simple things that are going to be accessible to them. So if they always go to like, uh, like a coffee shop, we'll use Starbucks as an example. If they're often going to Starbucks and getting breakfast, you know, instead of their sugary coffee drink and then a pastry, maybe they get a cappuccino, which espresso has a little less caffeine than drip coffee, especially at Starbucks, and some egg white bites and some nuts to snack on, you know, because that way they're going to have more protein, they're going to have more fiber, more healthy fat, um, a little more balance. Maybe instead of eating like a bowl of oatmeal with brown sugar and bananas every morning, maybe they still have the oatmeal. Maybe, you know, they can add a little teaspoon of brown sugar if they really, really love it. But let's get some healthy fat in there, you know, Throw some ground flax in the bowl or put a big, big giant spoonful of peanut butter on top to give you a little extra protein, some fat's going to ground you. So if someone's normally doing like an Italian sub, like instead of, instead of that, maybe they do like a grilled chicken sandwich or they get, you know, like some vegetable soup and a side salad or, um, you know, start playing around with different ways to introduce these healthy foods. Um, packing snacks could be a really nice entry point for someone because if maybe they can't control what all is going to happen during the day. But if they know that they have some shelf-stable, healthy snacks, you know, in their purse, their car, wherever, their backpack, whatever makes sense, um, that can also take away some of the stress of having to make healthy food choices. You can get packs of nuts and seeds. I love the crispy chickpea snacks or dry roasted edamame. Those are very convenient, you know, or if you're at a convenience store, things like hard-boiled eggs, cheese sticks, um, even like cereal and a little bit of and milk, like I'm, I'm cool with that because it's still going to give someone a balance of nutrients. What I wouldn't recommend, is, you know, just relying on whatever is available all the time. If you don't know what you're walking into, like if nothing else, you know, have a, have a bar, a protein bar that you know makes you feel good in your purse or something like that. And hydration. I think people forget this one a lot. And one of the barriers that I, I hear most often when it comes to staying hydrated is concerns about having to use the restroom a lot. And there's a few ways to look at that. I do think that there are some cases where someone is very worried about leaving their loved one unattended, and that is very real. For those people, I will tell them to start your day with like a big glass of water um, as you're getting ready for the day. And maybe when you have those calm moments where you can, those are good times to hydrate. But I would say like water is your best friend. Go slow with the coffee, go slow with the alcohol. Um, and also embrace healthy shortcuts. You know, I am a huge fan of pre-chopped and frozen produce. Um, that will save you so much time, especially when you're trying to eat more vegetables. Cause you'll often hear people, you know, like me saying leafy greens are good for you, but you're like, when do I have time to eat a salad? Um, chopped frozen spinach. You can throw that and stop it in the microwave, throw it to soup, put it on pizza. You can put it in eggs, like all different things you can do with stuff like that. You can even make a smoothie with it. 
know, I've had clients who, when they were very busy, what we would do is we, we would have them make a big giant smoothie in the morning with a lot of vegetables and fruit and protein and healthy fats. And they could drink that as they went about their morning if they didn't have time for a full meal. So there's a lot of, a lot of things to play with, but I think it's worth asking someone what their routine is like and which times of day are most challenging for them. Cause that's going to give you clues as to where to start for that person. Cause every, every person is in terms of their caregiver experience, you know, it's going to look a little bit different. And as healthcare providers, we need to be sensitive to that, that it really, and you've heard this a million times, but it truly is not one size fits all. You made some excellent points. And, you know, when dietitians recommend, like you said, green leafy vegetables or more fruits and vegetables, sometimes patients just get overwhelmed just by that thought alone. You know, they might not even have a fridge with them, so they can't even have fresh fruits and vegetables. So I love your suggestions to keep it simple and just meet them where they are. Even if they're eating out for the three meals a day, just trying to focus on, is there a salad and maybe something with chicken that you can choose instead of the French fries and, you know, hamburger meal for every single meal that you're eating? Because that is the last thing we want to do is further overwhelm our stressed out caregivers because that's just not going to be helpful for anybody. All right. So I love to close by asking all my experts, what would be one thing that we as clinicians should never say in regards to nutrition and maybe just mental health in general? What would be the worst piece of advice that we could give to our families? Oh, wow. There's so many places I could go with this. I mean, one thing that comes to mind is bringing shame into the picture. Um, you know, this is less about advice that we're giving somebody, but I think it's really important when someone is telling us about their day-to-day -day habits, we need to listen. Um, we should not tell people, I can't believe you eat that, or don't you know how bad that is? But I think big picture, I think we should really stay away from any language that is going to come off as judgmental, blaming, you know, making them feel like an idiot. That's, that's not something we want to do at all because we're going to lose them. They're not going to trust us. And they're not going to feel confident in their ability to make good choices. And that's really, really important. We really need to foster that empowered, calm mindset around food and nutrition and lifestyle change in general. That was so enlightening and so helpful. Whether you are in the mental health world, you're in family practice, or even in pediatrics, the next time you're in clinic and you maybe even notice that the parent is struggling or they seem stressed out, or you've got the elderly husband who's caring for his wife struggling with dementia, pause and ask how they're doing and ask and make sure that they're taking care of themselves. And hopefully you can remember some of these tips that Jessica had suggested, really try to help them focus on some more fruits, some more vegetables, the lean protein, pack in some snacks and keep it simple. Do not overwhelm them. Do not overburden them because we already know that our caregivers are stressed. So I hope this conversation provided you guys with some useful information that you can actually provide to your patients tomorrow in the clinic. And remember, you don't have to do it all. We're not all registered dietitians and that's why there's registered dietitians. So don't be afraid to refer out. It's our job to start the conversation, to encourage them and to push them towards healthier eating and to start igniting that desire to nourish their bodies healthfully. But if there is a patient that's in need and needs a little bit more handholding, there's dietitians like Jessica that are here and willing and able to help. So guys, I hope that this podcast episode was helpful for you. Please let me know if you'd like to have Jessica on for any further discussions on any areas of mental health. And Jessica, thank you so much for your time. 
I can't give this time back to you. So I really, really appreciate you giving us the gift of your time. Oh, thank you. It was, it was such an honor to be here with you. All right, guys, now it's time for my nutrition notes. This is the segment in the podcast where I like to share a nutrition tip, an interesting quote, or an interesting case that I think might add value to your day. So today I'm going to leave you with a quote, and it goes really well with our discussion today with Jessica about anxiety and stress management and how nutrition can have an impact in that. And hopefully this just gives you some encouragement and maybe something that you can leave with your patients as well. So it says, if you feel like you're losing everything, remember trees lose their leaves every year and they stand tall and wait for better days to come. I hope you guys learned something from this episode that it was beneficial to you and that you can incorporate some of these tips into your busy practice. If you would like to have a question featured on the podcast, I would love to hear from you. You can find me at Instagram at examroomnutrition or you can send me an email at examroomnutrition at gmail.com. Well, guys, let's make our patients healthier one exam room at a time. <laughs>